A Journal of the Plague Year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 15 Having already treated social distancing, quarantine, crime, fake news, lack of preparation, fake remedies, and the inadequate facilities for the treatment of the sick and the disposition of the dead, the author now takes up another all-too-familiar effect of pandemic. What happens to a great metropolis when the wheels of commerce come to a full stop? Wanting to make his point with even more care than usual, he lists the roles of the unemployed in several broad areas and describes the cascading effect the shutdown of one trade has on several others. Only a vigorous program of social relief, he asserts, prevented rioting and mass starvation. As part of this program, many of the unemployed were given jobs as watchmen at shut-up houses or as nurses tending victims of the plague. The author notes that, in a grim irony, the high death rate in these occupations actually reduced the burden on the remaining citizenry and the likelihood of widespread starvation. He also takes up the inherent difficulty in accurately reporting cases of the disease and the number that died of it. Only in this case, the causes are largely from the high rate of mortality caused by the plague, which overwhelmed the capacity of the authorities to manage it, rather than from official misadministration. Here let me enter into a brief state of the case of the poor at that time, and what way apprehended from them, from whence may be judged hereafter what may be expected if the like distress should come upon the city. At the beginning of the plague, when there was now no more hope but that the whole city would be visited, when, as I have said, all that had friends or estates in the country retired with their families, and when, indeed, one would have thought the very city itself was running out of the gates, and that there would be nobody left behind, you may be sure from that hour all trade, except such as related to immediate subsistence, was, as it were, at a full stop. This is so lively a case, and contains in it so much of the real condition of the people, that I think I cannot be too particular in it, and therefore I descend to the several arrangements or classes of people who fell into immediate distress upon this occasion. For example, number one, all master workmen and manufacturers, especially such as belong to ornament, and the less necessary parts of the people's dress, clothes, and furniture for houses, such as ribbon weavers and other weavers, gold and silver lace makers, and gold and silver wire drawers, Seamstresses, milliners, shoemakers, hat makers, glove makers, also upholsterers, joiners, cabinet makers, looking glass makers, and innumerable trades which depend upon such as these. I say, the master workmen and such stopped their work, dismissed their journeymen and workmen, and all their dependents. Number two, as merchandising was at a full stop, 
for very few ships ventured to come up the river, and none at all went out, so all the extraordinary officers of the customs, likewise the watermen, carmen, porters, and all the poor whose labor depended upon the merchants, were at once dismissed and put out of business. Number three, all the tradesmen usually employed in building or repairing of houses were at a full stop, for the people were far from wanting to build houses when so many thousand houses were at once stripped of their inhabitants, so that this one article turned all of the ordinary workmen of that kind out of business, such as bricklayers, masons, carpenters, joiners, plasterers, painters, glaziers, smiths, plumbers, and all the laborers depending on such. Number four. As navigation was at a stop, our ships neither coming in or going out as before, so the seamen were all out of employment, and many of them the last and lowest degree of distress. And with the seamen were all the several tradesmen and workmen belonging to and depending upon the building and fitting out of ships, such as ships, carpenters, caulkers, rope makers, dry coopers, sail makers, anchor smiths, and other smiths. Blockmakers, carvers, gunsmiths, ship chandlers, ship carvers, and the like. The masters of those perhaps might live upon their substance, but the traders were universally at a stop, and consequently all their workmen discharged. Add to these that the river was in a manner without boats, and all of the most part of the watermen, lightermen, boat builders, and lighter builders in like manner idle and laid by. Number five. All families retrenched their living as much as possible, as well those that fled as those that stayed, so that an innumerable multitude of footmen, serving men, shopkeepers, journeymen, merchants, bookkeepers, and such sort of people, and especially poor maidservants, were turned off and left friendless and helpless, without employment and without habitation, and this was really a dismal article. I might be more particular as to this part, but it may suffice to mention in general all trades being stopped, employment ceased. The labor, and by that the bread, of the poor were cut off. And at first, indeed, the cries of the poor were most lamentable to hear, though by the distribution of charity their misery that way was greatly abated. Many, indeed, fled into the countries, but thousands of them having stayed in London till nothing but desperation sent them away, death overtook them on the road, and they served for no better than the messengers of death. Indeed, others carrying the infection along with them spread it very unhappily into the remotest parts of the kingdom. Many of these were the miserable objects of despair which I have mentioned before, and were removed by the destruction which followed. These might be said to perish not by the infection itself, but by the consequence of it. Indeed, namely, by hunger and distress and the want of all things, being without lodging, without money, without friends, without means to get their bread, or without anyone to give it them. For many of them were without what we call legal settlements, and so could not claim of the parishes, and all of the support they had was by application to the magistrates for relief, which relief was, to give the magistrates their due, carefully and cheerfully administered as they found it necessary, and those that stayed behind never felt the want and distress of that kind which they felt who went away in the manner above noted. Let anyone who is acquainted with what multitudes of people get their daily bread in this city by their labor, whether artificers or mere workmen, 
I say, let any man consider what must be the miserable condition of this town if, on a sudden, they should all be turned out of employment, that labor should cease, and wages for work be no more. This was the case with us at that time, and had not the sums of money contributed in charity by well-disposed people of every kind, as well abroad as at home, been prodigiously great, it had not been in the power of the Lord Mayor and Sheriffs to have kept the public peace. Nor were they without apprehensions, as it was, that desperation should push the people upon tumults, and cause them to rifle the houses of rich men, and plunder the markets of provisions, in which case the country people who brought provisions very freely and boldly to town would have been terrified from coming any more, and the town would have sunk under an unavoidable famine. But the prudence of my Lord Mayor and the court of aldermen within the city, and of the justices of peace in the outparts, was such, and they were supported with money from all parts so well, that the poor people were kept quiet, and their wants everywhere relieved, as far as was possible to be done. Two things besides this contributed to prevent the mob from doing any mischief. One was, that really the rich themselves had not laid up stores of provisions in their houses as indeed they ought to have done, and which if they had been wise enough to have done, and locked themselves entirely up, as some few did, they had perhaps escaped the disease better. But as it appeared that they had not, so the mob had no notion of finding stores of provisions there if they had broken in, as it is plain they were sometimes very near doing, and which, if they had, they had finished the ruin of the whole city, for there were no regular troops to have withstood them, nor could the trained bands have been brought together to defend the city, no men being to be found to bear arms. But the vigilance of the Lord Mayor, and such magistrates as could be had, for some, even of the aldermen, were dead, and some absent, prevented this. And they did it by the most kind and gentle methods they could think of, as particularly by relieving the most desperate with money, and putting others into business, and particularly that employment of watching houses that were infected and shut up. And as the number of these were very great, for it was said there was at one time ten thousand houses shut up, and every house had two watchmen to guard it, one by night, the other by day, this gave opportunity to employ a great number of poor men at a time. The women and servants that were turned off from their places were likewise employed as nurses to tend the sick in all places, and this took off a very great number of them, and, which though a melancholy article in itself, yet was a deliverance in its kind, namely the plague, which raged in a dreadful manner from the middle of August to the middle of October, carried off in that time thirty or forty thousand of these very people, which, had they been left, would certainly have been an insufferable burden by their poverty. That is to say, the whole city could not have supported the expense of them, or have provided food for them, and they would in time have been even driven to the necessity of plundering either the city itself or the country adjacent, to have subsisted themselves, which would first or last have put the whole nation, as well as the city, into the utmost terror and confusion. It was observable, then, that this calamity of the people made them very humble. For now, for about nine weeks together, there died near a thousand a day, one day with another, even by the account of the weekly bills, which yet, I have reason to be assured, never gave a full account, 
by many thousands, the confusion being such, and the carts working in the dark when they carried the dead, that in some places no account at all was kept, but they worked on, the clerks and sextons not attending for weeks together, and not knowing what number they carried. This account is verified by the bills of mortality, which show that from the 8th of August to the 10th of October, almost 60,000 deaths from all causes were recorded, of which 49,705 were from the plague. So that the gross of the people were carried off in these two months, for, as the whole number which was brought in to die of the plague was but 68,590, here is 50,000 of them within a trifle, in two months. Now, when I say that the parish officers did not give in a full account, or were not to be depended upon for their account, let anyone but consider how men could be exact in such a time of dreadful distress, and when many of them were taken sick themselves, and perhaps died in the very time when their accounts were to be given in. I mean the parish clerks, besides inferior officers, for though these poor men ventured at all hazards, yet they were far removed from being exempt from the common calamity, especially if it be true that the parish of Stepney had, within the year, 116 sextons, grave diggers, and their assistants, that is to say, bearers, bellmen, and drivers of carts for carrying off the dead bodies. Indeed, the work was not of a nature to allow them leisure to take an exact tale of the dead bodies, which were all huddled together in the dark in a pit which pit or trench no man could come nigh, but at the utmost peril. I observed often that in the parishes of Aldgate and Cripplegate, Whitechapel and Stepney, there were five, six, seven, and eight hundred in a week in the bills, whereas if we may believe the opinion of those that lived in the city all the time, as well as I, there died sometimes two thousand a week in those parishes, and I saw it under the hand of one that made as strict an examination into that part as he could, that there really died a hundred thousand people of the plague in that one year, whereas in the bills, the articles of the plague, it was but 68,590. If I may be allowed to give my opinion, by what I saw with my eyes and heard from other people that were eyewitnesses, I do verily believe the same, that is, that there died at least one hundred thousand of the plague only, besides other distempers, and besides those which died in the fields and highways and secret places out of the compass of the communication, as it was called, and who were not put down in the bills, though they really belonged to the body of the inhabitants. It was known to us all that abundance of poor despairing creatures who had the distemper upon them, and were grown stupid or melancholy by their misery, as many were, wandered away into the fields and woods, and into secret, uncouth places almost anywhere, to creep into a bush or hedge, and die. The inhabitants of the adjacent villages would, in pity, carry them food and set it at a distance, that they might fetch it, if they were able, and sometimes they were not able, and the next time they went they should find the poor wretches lie dead, and the food untouched. The number of these miserable objects were many, and I know so many that perished thus, and so exactly where, that I believe I could go to the very place and dig their bones up still, for the country people would go and dig a hole at a distance from them, and then with long poles and hooks at the end of them, drag the bodies into these pits, 
and then throw the earth in from as far as they could cast it to cover them, taking notice how the wind blew, and so coming on that side which the seamen call to windward, that the scent of the bodies might blow from them. And thus great numbers went out of the world who were never known, or any account of them taken, as well within the bills of mortality as without. This, indeed, I had in the main only from the relation of others, for I seldom walked into the fields, except toward Bethnal Green and Hackney, or as hereafter. But when I did walk, I always saw a great many poor wanderers at a distance, but I could know little of their cases, for whether it were in the streets or in the fields, if we had seen anybody coming, it was a general method to walk away, yet I believe the account is exactly true. As this puts me upon mentioning my walking the streets and fields, I cannot omit taking notice what a desolate place the city was at that time. The great street I lived in, which is known to be one of the broadest of all the streets in London, I mean of the suburbs as well as the liberties, all the side where the butchers lived, especially without the bars, was more like a green field than a paved street, and the people generally went in the middle with the horses and carts. As for coaches, they were scarce used but to carry sick people to the pest-house and to other hospitals, and some few to carry physicians to such places as they thought fit to venture to visit. For really coaches were dangerous things, and people did not care to venture into them, because they did not know who might have been carried in them last, and sick, infected people were, as I have said, ordinarily carried in them to the pest-houses, and sometimes people expired in them as they went along. <laughs>